You might be facing doubts about your purpose. You might be facing lies from the enemy. You might be struggling in your day-to-day -day life. But know this, you have a higher purpose, an anointing, and a calling on your life. If the story of King David teaches us anything, it teaches that the key to our calling is to trust in God. So my dad, Pastor Glenn, calls me this morning at 6.30, and he said, son, I'm getting old. I said, dad, I know, I still love you. And he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm passing a kidney stone right now. I need you to preach. So can we, that's exactly what Pastor Glenn is saying right now. He's saying, oh, oh. So can we just take, just take a moment just to pray for Pastor Glenn um, as he's passing this kidney stone? Lord Jesus, we pray for Pastor Glenn right now. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just provide him comfort in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name that this stone will pass quickly, God, that this will not be something that lingers and affects him any longer. But we pray, God, that you move quickly on his behalf, God. Bring healing to his body and restoration. In your name I pray, amen. So right now, we are in a message series that we have called Shepherd King. And in this message series, we have been looking at the life of David. Week number one, we talked about the anointing of David, the anointing that was put on his life to be, become the first king of Israel. Week number two, Pastor Alex talked about David slain Goliath. And last week, Pastor Glenn talked about the persecution David went through from Saul and how even though it was difficult, David still chose to honor authority. Today, we're gonna to be talking about something that most people, when we think about David, the first thing usually people think about is Goliath, slain the giant. But the second thing a lot of people think about is his fall. That is what we're gonna be talking about today, the fall with David. Now, up to this point in his life, David led well. He honored authority, he honored God, and he lived a very righteous life. When we've, we've spoken many times of how David's heart was, how it was a heart after God's own heart. Now, that's a saying a lot, to say someone has a heart after God's own heart. But when we look at this story in the Bible, there's something we must realize. As great as David was, a great leader, he still fell short. No one is above sin. He was a great son, a great shepherd, a great brother, an honorable servant to King Saul and the greatest king Israel had ever seen. But we still fall short of what God's people truly needed. Although he had great qualities, he had a great heart, what this fall shows us is it points us to God. It reminds us that we need a worthier king. In our life, people will let you down. If you're putting your hope in the government or in people, you will be let down. It shows us that we have a desperate need for a king, a worthier king, a king who cannot fall short, a king who cannot disappoint. David, he, he isn't just a hero, but his life is a mirror that we can hold up and look at our own life. How did David respond to this situation? How did David get in this situation in the fall? Today, we're gonna to look at the fall 
of David, but we're also gonna look at the power Christ has through his, res, his restoring love in our life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're about to do in this room today. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you restore hearts, people who are struggling in their faith, people who are far from you, people who are struggling in their marriages, people who are struggling in their health. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your presence will meet us in this room today, that you would remove me out of the way, God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way in our hearts today. We love you, Lord. Bless this word in your name I pray, amen. So this is a story that I believe every single person, whether you are new to the faith, you don't know Jesus, or you have followed Jesus for 40, 50 years, this is something we can all learn from in a deep way. Here's what we must realize and what we've already established is no one is above temptation. But what that also means is no one is above sin. So what, what, what must we do as disciples of Jesus Christ? We must be on our guard. We must be prepared. The Bible says there's an enemy who's prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, when a lion is hunting its prey, it's stealthy. It waits for the perfect moment where the prey is not even ready, where he's looking away. He may be distracted. And that's when he pounces. So for us, we must always be ready. Be prepared. Because one thing I can promise you is that the enemy is going to attack. So for us, we must be prepared. So we're starting today in 2 Samuel chapter 11. In verse one, it says this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So this is the very beginning of the fall. David should have been at war. David was in a place he shouldn't have been. Just like in our world, and, and, and spring comes around, spring cleaning, right? In this time, in the spring, kings would go off to war. He should have been on the front line with his men and with his warriors and with his soldiers, but no, no, no. He stayed back. He was in a place he shouldn't have been. In verse two, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. So in this time on the palaces, the roof was a beautiful place that had lush vegetation, lots of greenery. This was a place where kings could go to have solitude, to have peace, to get away, to have silence. He's distracted. He's not prepared. And he sees something he shouldn't have seen. Starts with, not being where he's supposed to be. Should be at war, but he's on a roof, maybe on a hammock, just laying out, trying to find peace, trying to find comfort. And he sees something that he shouldn't have seen. David was in a place of comfort. Sometimes that is where we can be the most vulnerable. When we are in a valley, 
and we are struggling in our life, we're calling on the name of God. We're like, Lord, pick me up. Lord, help me. We're staying close to the Father. But a lot of times when we get into those seasons of comfort, oh, I got a raise. Oh, my marriage is great. Everything is just beautiful in my life. The enemy comes when we least expect him to. And he sees something he shouldn't have seen. In verse three, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. It all started with being somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, leading to seeing something he shouldn't have seen, doing something he shouldn't have done. David, the man of God, the greatest leader Israel had ever seen or ever will see, a man after God's own heart, falling, falling hard. No one is above it. Everyone is capable of anything. So you and I, we must be prepared. Now, when we get ready for work in the morning, we wake up, maybe we take a shower. Okay. Hopefully we get prepared. We, we put on our, our pants, we put on our shoes, we put on a shirt, we, we do our hair, we get prepared and we, and we go out the door. I'm ready. I got my lunch. I'm ready to rock and roll. You're not ready yet. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we must clothe ourselves in something else. We must clothe ourselves in righteousness. We must put on the armor of God, put on the clothes from God's scripture. What does he say? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith and grab your sword of the spirit because that is the word of God. If you wanna be prepared to go into battle and you're just wearing these clothes right here, you're gonna be susceptible because the attacks are going to come. In the morning, before you go to work or in a time in your day, get in the presence of God. I want you to know that his presence doesn't just fall here. The spirit of God dwells within you. So in your life in the morning, when you're getting for work, getting ready for work, start to pray, read his word. I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm not gonna let anything hold me back. I'm not gonna be distracted from my day. Go to him, go to the throne room. Maybe in your life, you're like, man, God, I need hope. I need peace. Go before him, go into his presence. Be prepared for the day that you are about to endure because the attack is coming. So it continues to say, it says, put on all of God's armor. This is Ephesians 6. So that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing 
firm. You want to be ready for your day? You want to be prepared? Get into his presence. Get into the word. Spend time with him in prayer. Because when you are ready for your day, when the attacks come, by the grace of God, I will still be standing firm. No matter what's taking place around me, I'm being led by the spirit of God. Now, I'm sure that morning, David didn't just wake up and say, today's the day. Today's the day I'm gonna ruin my life. I'm gonna let turmoil enter my household. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all these terrible things. No, no. It happened with the very first choice of not being where he was supposed to be. He should have been at war. He should have been on the front lines with his men, but he found himself in a place he shouldn't have been. So getting into this message today, I wanna ask you a few questions. If you're taking notes, you can write these down and I want you to answer them. In your life, what, where are you at in your life? Where are you at in your life? What are you doing? What places are you going? What are you doing in your marriage? When no one is around you, when you're on the internet, when you're at work, what are you doing in your thoughts? Next thing I wanna ask you is, what are you seeing? Are you in a place you shouldn't be? Seeing something that you shouldn't see? Hearing things you shouldn't hear? Hearing music you shouldn't hear? And what is this leading you to do? What is this leading you to do? He didn't just fall. He didn't just mess up. It started with the first choice of being where he wasn't supposed to be. No one is above sin. This is why we must be aware at all times. Aware of where we are, aware of what we see, what we let enter our household, what we allow enter our minds, and aware of what we do and what we say. So here's David. He just did something terrible, completely out of character. He took another man's wife for himself and she informs him, Dave, I'm pregnant. It's like an episode of Maury, okay? You are the father. But here's the thing. This is just the beginning of the fall. It's just the beginning. David took Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, sent him to the very front of the battle to be killed. So he committed adultery. He took another man's wife for himself. He impregnated her. And then he killed her husband. That's a fall. That's big. Now here's the crazy part. With all these things that took place, the sin that David is living in, he was completely unaware of it. He was unaware of how unpleased God was with him. He had a blindfold over his eyes. And that's what sin can be a lot of times. When we're living in sin, there's a blindfold over us. And we don't even see, no, I'm not living in a, in a wrong way. No, you are blinded by confusion. You are blinded by sin. But thankfully, God is faithful. 
And God sent a prophet to David named Nathan. And this is what he said to David. He said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except a little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. So this rich man takes something from a poor man, something that meant so much to him. David, the king, he's in charge. He becomes furious. And he says, whoever this man is, we are putting him to death. How could someone ever allow this to happen? And then this is when God takes off the blindfold off of his eyes. In verse seven, Nathan says, you are that man. This is you, David. This is you. In that moment, David felt so much remorse and he cried out to God, Lord, how could I have done something so foolish? God, forgive me. God forgave him. But here's what we must understand. Every action has a consequence. Every action in your life has a consequence. Here's the thing with sin. It separates us from God. It cuts off his intimacy. But another thing that it does is it affects the people around us. It affects our life. Is there redemption in Christ? Will he forgive you? Absolutely. Thank you, God. But there are consequences. David lost his son. His household was filled with turmoil. There was massive Massive rebellion against David. He exposed himself to the enemy and ends up running for his life. It's important to understand that every step that you take in your life, you're walking in a direction. Every decision, you're either saying, okay, I'm living for myself, I'm living for my flesh, or you're making the decision, I am following God. Every choice that we make. Was it a big deal? David wasn't at war. Maybe it didn't seem like a big deal, but it led him to do something he shouldn't have done. Yes, there is forgiveness and redemption in Christ Jesus, but sin has consequences. No one is exempt from that. Not even David. In 2020, this was a difficult time for everybody. Amen. It sucked, okay? Now, here's the thing. It was a really difficult time for me in my life because I was in a place where, you know, me and my wife, we, we got married in 2016 and we, we've had a good relationship. Maybe I didn't always communicate. I'll take ownership of that. You know, there was things I didn't always communicate about and the, Eventually, we, we just were stuffing these little things over four years, 
stuffing these little things. And then 2020 came and we're locked in our house and I can't just leave. The golf courses are closed. I can't just leave as bad as I wanted to. So I'm staring at her. We're staring at each other and we have to face our problems. It was such a difficult time in my life. Here's the thing. The blindfold that was on me was selfishness and pride. I was selfish in our relationship. I was filled with pride. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn, but I knew God could turn it around. Here, here's, it's so easy to be blinded by sin when you're living in it. But I believe that it is important for us to take off the blindfolds that the enemy has put on us and begin to walk in righteousness. Every step that we take, I'm walking with purpose. I'm walking in my calling. Whatever that is, being a dad, being a mom, a businessman or woman, whatever it is, I am clothing myself in righteousness. So in the story, here's David running for his life. What is going through David's mind? What is he thinking? Is he dwelling on the past? Man, I, I murdered somebody. I committed adultery years ago. Is he consumed with guilt and shame? Is he feeling this feeling of, I can't even pray to God. I'm all washed up. God's done with me. The anointing is gone. We don't have to guess. We can look at Psalms three. This is what David says. He says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from the holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike the, all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So in this moment, he didn't choose just to live in his past, to just continue to live in his, in his sin, continue to live in shame. What he chooses in this moment is I am calling out to God the one who can deliver me from my past, the one that can deliver me from my sin, the one who can deliver me from my shame. This morning, I encourage you, don't let your shame keep you from running to the healer. Don't let your past keep you from the goodness of God. Run to the Father. In this moment, David, he prays for protection. He prays for salvation. He prays for deliverance. He prayed for God to defeat his enemy. He prays for all the people under his care. David, the former shepherd boy, still has a heart of a shepherd. He is the shepherd king. He wants the Lord to bless all the people of Israel. At a time of great stress, Worrying about where to go, he's concerned with his people. Yes, 
there was consequences. Yes, he paid a price. But I want you to know this, that there is redemption in true repentance. There's redemption. When does God's redemptive work begin? When we humble ourselves and say, God, I need you. And we have true repentance. And we say, God, I'm turning away. Not the, oh God, forgive me of my sins. and I'm sorry that I did this. And then just keep on going and sinning. That's not repentance. True heart change. These are David's words in Psalm 51. It says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with his up and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of my bloodshed, O God, you who are my God and my savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. He calls to the one who can only bring true healing. As humans, we have a condition that we cannot fix ourselves. It's the condition of sin. He's the only prescription for it. It's the name of Jesus. Repentance and restoration are only possible by God's grace. And God makes it possible for you and I to respond to him. But what do we do? We must take steps to come before him, confess our sins, repent and turn away and allow God to restore us. David responded through an act of repentance and God restored him. David's confession went just beyond feeling bad and beyond confession. After the confession, we can see that David went through a period of repentance. He went back to the front of the armies where he began, where he should have been in the very first place. Repentance isn't just, God, forgive me. It's a true life change. And God redeemed his bloodline. God redeemed his generation. He had a son named Solomon who became the wisest king of all time. From his bloodline was Jesus himself. I wanna read this Psalm to you, 107. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Despite what you've done, despite where you've been, Despite the shame that you may be holding on to, his love endures forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. When I look around at this room, I know a lot of people here. What I see is a bunch of redeemed people. People who aren't perfect, but people who have a story of redemption. Christ redeemed my marriage. We put in the work, we repented. I cried, I don't even like to say that, but I cried. I'm like, honey, I'm changing who, who I was. When I walked down that altar, why I walked down that altar was to sacrifice my life for you. I'm gonna serve you. She made the same decision, I'm gonna serve you. We got counseling, we still are in counseling today. That's a good thing. He redeemed my marriage. He redeemed my life. And I want you to know this, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you are holding in your heart, Christ can redeem you. He can redeem you. He can heal you. Amen. He can heal your mind. He can heal you from your past. He can heal you from your sin. He can heal your body. That's the God that we serve. We serve a God who is faithful. Even in our shortcomings, his arms are still spread wide open to you. What I encourage you to do today in this moment, wherever you are in your life, run to the Father. The one who gives true purpose. The one who brings true forgiveness and redemption. I believe that in this moment right now, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to have a breakthrough in your family. He wants to redeem you from your past shame, redeem you from your past hurt. I believe that God wants to do that right now. Right now, we're gonna be going into one last worship song. And what I'm gonna ask right now is if you're on the prayer team to just come up here. Pastors, if you wanna come up here, do whatever the spirit of God tells you to do. If you wanna come and get prayer and you want captives to break in your life, you want chains to break, come to this altar and find healing. If you wanna stay at your seat, if you wanna stand to your feet, whatever you want to do, but I believe that God wants to meet with you right now.
Just stay in this moment right now. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. Heal us, Jesus. Redeem us of our past. Redeem us from our shame. We believe, God, that you are gonna turn our situation around and make it something good, Jesus. And we will bring glory to your name. Create in us a new heart, Lord Jesus. Heart that's ready to serve you, Jesus. In your life, if you're looking for peace, run to the Father. If you look at your situation in your marriage and you say, God, I don't know how it's gonna get better. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Run to the Father. 
You may be crippled by depression and anxiety. Where do I go? Where do I turn? Run to the Father. Wherever you are in your life, I want you to know that the prescription is only one thing and his name is Jesus. Let's go back into that course one last time. Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. Run to the Father again and again and run. Run to Him this morning. I'm not hiding anymore, Jesus. Thank you, God. So find a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again. Wherever you are, run to Him right now. I'm done with the hiding. Here I am, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My soul finds a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again. Thank you, Jesus. Open your hearts to him. Thank you, Jesus. Reason away. My heart finds a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again. Thank you, Jesus. In this moment, I want to pray for two different types of people. If you're in here today and you need a touch from God, you need a touch from your heavenly father, I want you to know this, that no matter how down you feel, you may feel like you're in the dirt, you may feel like nobody cares, I want you to know that the king of the universe, your heavenly father is reaching his arm out to you. If you need a touch from God in your life, what I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand. I wanna say a prayer over you right now. Lord Jesus, in this moment, we are running to you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that whatever the enemy meant for harm, that you are gonna turn it around and make it something good. I pray, Lord Jesus, in this moment, that you will heal hearts, that bitterness is being released in Jesus' name. Unforgiveness is being released in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that whatever our past is, whatever we've been holding on to over the years, we lay it at your feet. We thank you, God. Give us strength, Lord Jesus. Give us boldness, Lord. Let us not turn back to this way of thinking, to shame, to unforgiveness, to selfishness, to pride. But God, let us take every step that we take have purpose to follow you. In your name I pray, amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've never made that decision to follow God. I want you to know 
He's calling you home today. No matter how great you think your sin is, I want you to know that my God's grace is so much bigger. His forgiveness is so much wider. If you're in here today and you say, I wanna make the decision to follow God, to change my life and to run to him. I ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna say a prayer for you. One, two, three, amen, amen. You can put your hand down. If you just raise your hand, I want you to know this is the kickstart of your relationship with God. We don't serve a far off God, he is intimate. So just start praying to him. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, today I'm turning away from who I used to be. I'm declaring your lordship over my life. Just begin to talk to him. It's your father. Lord Jesus, we pray for the people who are receiving you as their Lord and savior right now. God, forgive us of our sins. Today, God, we're changing the goal of our life. We're not living for our flesh anymore. We're not living for the culture, but we're living for you to build your kingdom. God, create in us a new heart, heart that's ready to do your will. Let us hear from you, Jesus. Let us fall deeper and deeper in love with you. And today, God, we declare that you are our savior and our God. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. How beautiful. Would you stay standing because I wanna say a blessing over you. And after I say this blessing, the, the altar prayer team, they're not going anywhere. They're here to pray for you. And if you raised your hand, if you prayed that prayer in your heart to receive Jesus for the first time, we also want to invite you to come up and see one of these prayer team members because we want to give you a book for free called The Fresh Start with God. We can all use a fresh start sometimes, right? And Jesus really wants to bless you in this journey. So if you would open your hearts to him to receive this blessing, maybe lift up your hands or turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you this day with a new insight into his redemption. May he bless you with restoration in your life, with freedom from things that have held you back. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.